Welcome to the Lift Church podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to live up to your God-given potential. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's a real pleasure to be with you today. Um, yeah. Can we have just a start a slide on that? Thank you. Okay, so you just said... Dr. Patricia, so maybe I need to just give you a real quickie version of who I am to start off with. Um, You've heard my name is Patricia Virakun. Very briefly, I was born in Sri Lanka, in the tea plantations of Sri Lanka. And I went to school there, into a wonderful Methodist missionary school. My grandparents were converted from Hinduism. My grandfather's name was Rasaya Muthuvelu Ratnam, which you will all now tell me when we finish <laughs> the experience. And I, I, my, he was converted and they, the wonderful Welsh missionary who converted him decided that that sounded far too pagan. So he changed it to Roberts. So I grew up as Patricia Roberts, which was about as Welsh as you got in Sri Lanka in the 1950s. Anyway, I went to medical school there, so I'm a doctor by training and met and married my wonderful husband. We belong to the two ethnic groups. I'm Tamil, he's Sinhalese, and we thought we'll solve all the country's problems by getting married, but it didn't quite work that way. Anyway, I went through medical school, was teaching at the medical school, did my postgraduate study in Hawaii. That's where I actually got into sex. I must have known something because my son was already three years old, but, um, I was studying sex and worshipping in a wonderful evangelical Baptist church. So I was able to bring what I now call my twin passions of God and sex together. Went back to Sri Lanka and for six years I was the only sex therapist in the country that was very busy with 20 million population <laughs> at that time. And then 30 years ago we moved to Australia. So in Australia, I have been an academic with the University of Sydney for 25 years. And the last eight years before retirement, I was director of a graduate program in sexual health. So when I retired, when my husband and I retired, we prayed to God and we said, use us. <laughs> when you pray to God, he tends to listen and grant prayers. So now for the last seven years, I have been writing about sex talking about sex, reading about sex, researching sex, and wandering around Australia speaking about sex in churches and schools. And sometimes I think, why am I doing this? Then again, I think, which of you 72-year-old women wouldn't, when you are 72, look forward to it. When you are 72, wouldn't you like a career that just made you wander around the country talking about sex? And so if there's any of you young ones who would like a career doing that, talk to me, because I'm definitely looking for someone who can take up the baton and continue it as a Christian sexologist. Okay, so that's my background. So what are we going to talk about? So just for about half an hour, what I want to do is I'm really excited that you're using this to kick off your series on Imago Dei, what is your image? What does it mean to have an identity in Christ? You know, young ones, you can, you know, when you're 72, you can call everybody young ones, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ. You saying a little while ago, there is no one else for me. Jesus, there is no one else. Did you mean that? 
What does it mean when we say, you, God, are my source of identity? Jesus Christ, you are all I need. There is no one else. Do we really mean it? What do we mean? Where are you looking for your source of identity and satisfaction and contentment? My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, today, many people are looking to sexuality and gender to find that contentment. And let me tell you, next slide, let me tell you, searching for your satisfaction in sexuality and gender identity, you might as well be looking in the toilet system for, for your thirst and in the trash bin to, to, for your hunger. That is all the good it will do you. When we turn our eyes away, from the identity in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you look at a worldly source for identity, you, brothers and sisters in Christ, who have been created in the image of God. When God said in Genesis, let us make man in our image, it was in the image of the Trinity, that beautiful, you know, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, besties from eternity to eternity. In that image, we are created as worshippers and worshippers of the Lord Jesus Christ. You turn your eyes away from that and you are basically lost because your eyes are not fixed on the Lord Jesus. Even the Old Testament, my people have committed two sins, says God through Jeremiah. They have forsaken me and they are looking in all the wrong, broken places. And the Lord Jesus Christ said, I am the bread of life. I am that water. You come to me and I can give you true contentment. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, when it comes to sexuality and relationships, the better we understand God's good design for sex, the less inclined we will be to settle for the temporary pleasures the world provides. And to do that, as people of God, we have to have an understanding of what is this whole thing of sex? And what is it about our culture? What is this seduction that Satan presents to us, just as he presented to Eve and said, did God really say? That's the temptation. When this world's aspects, the world view of sexuality is incredibly seductive and it's, Satan will use it to tempt and say, surely God didn't say you shouldn't do a little bit of this or that. So let's talk as sexologists, we talk about desire and falling in love and what happens when you have sex. So let's start with desire. Let's talk about sexual desire. Now, Sexual desire is a driven by a hormone testosterone. It starts kind of bubbling in your brain when you reach that wonderful stage of puberty. Now, you, yeah, all you young ones, you look like you're just out of puberty, apart from a few of you who are a little way from there. But most of you are just out of adolescence or puberty. And you can remember, you know, when you started thinking, oh, sex, that's nice. 
it's a worn team that bubbles in your brain. It's driven by testosterone. Males have about 20 times more, but that explains some things. But anyway, the reality is that it's a wanting. Now, it varies between people. Now, there may be some of you who are sort of thinking, those of you especially who are married, and you know, you're thinking, oh, let's finish this talk and get home because I'm really feeling that desire bubbling. And others who are going like, eh, if I trip over it on my way out, I might notice it. And that's okay. It does vary between people. That's normal. Now, the reality is that it is still a wanting. Now, what do we hear from our culture? Our culture tells us, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, that your desires are not just a want, they are a need and a right. We live in a culture of post-modernity. Post-modernity is a culture where you are asked to look inside yourself and find that authentic you. And then you live out those desires that somehow are supposed to be found in your authentic self. And those desires must be met. There is no objective truth. Another phrase that is used for the culture today is a post-truth culture. I have my truth, you have your truth, and it's relative. I cannot question yours, you cannot question mine. And if anyone questions my truth or my desires, they are evil and bigoted and I will silence them. Into this world, the meaning and identity is all about my desires. So whether it be same sex or other sex or any form of sex, what do you think drove the same sex marriage debate? It was about my desires must be met. So my dear brothers and sisters, let us be very clear in this. In a world that says just follow your heart, that's why I have the brain following the heart there, just follow your heart. Do whatever you want. Next slide. We look into the word of God that very clearly says, our hearts are not always aligned with God's word. My dear brothers and sisters, remember in Genesis what happened? We had Adam and Eve created wonderful, perfect. We'll talk about God's message in a few moments. But what happened? They turned away from God and said, thank you, God. You do, we don't need you. What? We will look into ourselves. We are our own gods. What happened? God then said to Eve, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. The beauty of relationship are broken and our desires are broken. In Jeremiah, it says very clearly, the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can understand it? And even Jesus speaking in Matthew said, out of the heart come evil thoughts. This is the word of God. Our desires are not what we live by. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we are countercultural to the world. 
our beliefs in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Savior and Lord of our life makes us countercultural to a world that says live by your desires. In a world that says follow your heart, we say we live by the word, we follow the word of God. In a world that says there is no objective truth, we say the Lord Jesus Christ said, as I believe Pastor Nate actually quoted during our prayer time, we said, we say, and Jesus Christ said, if you are my disciples, there's a conditional there, if you are my disciples, you will follow my word and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Free from what? Free from the need to follow the world's seductive temptation where Satan will constantly be saying surely God didn't say God is a killjoy he doesn't want you to have fun I can give you a better choice be very aware next slide the word of God clearly tells us do not love the world the world is a seductive place or anything. If you love the world, you can't love Satan's temptations and love the Lord Jesus Christ. The lust of the flesh. Satan tempts you if you're married to look outside for pleasure. If you're single, to go ahead and have sex. Why wait, Satan says. It's fun, the world tells you. Just take what you want because it is fun for a moment. The lust of the eyes, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Pornography is epidemic proportions. The church and secular world porn use is no different. Our children, are first exposure to porn, expo porn is around 10 years old. I have talked to eight-year-old children who are compulsive porn users. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the lust of the eyes. Jesus said, if your eyes, you know, sin, tear out your eyes, cut off your arm. It's better to go to eternity without a part of your body than to sin. Beware of Satan's seduction. You know, the world and desires will pass away. We are not made for temporary pleasures. We are made for satisfaction with the Lord Jesus Christ in eternity. So, next slide. So, I want to just for a moment ask you to look into yourself. You see, it's Mother's Day. But what is Mother's Day? We all, at some point, were born of a mother. And, you know, we, maybe Mother's Day is when we think back of a mother who held us someday. Maybe we don't. My mother is in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ and she was a Christian. But, you know, you had... And just think for a moment. What would her dreams have been for you? If you were born of a Christian mother, your dream, her dream for you would have been that you grow up to be a man or woman of Christ to be, have your identity in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you have your identity in the Lord Jesus Christ, ask yourself, are you tempted to love anything that God would hate? Are you tempted to hold on to something of this world that God would want you to let go of? When we talk about sexuality, we can talk about lust, maybe loving someone other than your spouse, maybe being 
tempted to watch pornography and you know one of the big things that's happening especially young men getting compulsive video game users all this is of the world it sucks you away from a true identity but there are other things we don't have to think only sexuality it can be um, love for money that you are holding on to and that you don't want to let go maybe you're, you've got money and you're thinking I want to keep this money I don't want to give it for charity or to the church it's my money that is God questioning you and saying are you holding on to that too tight remember everything you have I gave you or maybe it's a career maybe you don't want you don't you want to work hard and get a career to make money maybe you want to buy a house maybe it is about looking good or going to the gym or maybe it is even about idolizing your families you see these are good things making money having a career having a family but my dear brothers and sisters even good things can become bad gods they can become idols so beware turn your eyes upon Jesus leave the desires of the world behind and desire one thing the Lord Jesus Christ because that is what will hold you to eternity next slide ah let's move on to falling in love what is this love thing now for you mothers and fathers here who are here as couples I remember that first time and for those of you who are single and in love remember that first time maybe you were sitting here or maybe it's uh, you were sitting somewhere and you know you looked across and there she was and you had that heart palpitation and pupil dilatation and you know you were like I want you by my side in my bed as soon as possible you know that feeling it's a chemical called dopamine that gets sprayed all over your brain it lights up what we call your reward system and it says I want to know you I want you in my life you know its serotonin levels go down it's the same chemical change that takes place in uh, obsessive compulsive behavior if you take a cocaine hit the same chemical changes take place in your brain love is an addiction love is an obsession and my favorite is there's research to show that the the parts of your brain involved in rational thinking are suppressed mm. ever looked at someone and thought what does she see in him <laughs> love is blind girls ladies mothers and not mother single girls everybody have you had a guy tell you I would die if you leave me of course he wouldn't die but when you are in that face of romantic love it feels like that it feels that you would die so it's a strong emotion fortunately that craziness doesn't last for more than about 24 months just long enough to get you up the island married <laughs> don't you love a God who does that you know it but it's a great feeling the emotion I'll come back to how God patterns it but we as Christians need to remember that what happens after the emotion 
See, I'm married for 48, 45 years. If I palpitate every time my husband passes, I'll have to be increasing my high blood pressure medication every other day. Fortunately, that doesn't happen. So what happens? When you have, when you are together, you move away from the romantic palpitation to love being an other-focused action. Love moves from an emotion to the verb of action. And you know the wonderful thing? In science, if you take older couples who say we are so in love, and I'm looking at the two of you who look so in love. So if we put you in, I'm assuming you're a couple. <laughs> are you a couple or are you not? If you're not, I'm sorry to say that you have that love look on your face. So. You know, I just, my eyes just rested on you, so forgive me if I got that wrong. <laughs> okay, the love, once I said that and you know there were four people sitting and it was just the wrong couple. <laughs> Never mind, just change places, you know. So the reality is we take older couples who say we still are in love and you put them in a brain machine. You find that the same parts of the brain that lit up with like, fireworks over Swan River in the romantic love, still lit up, but more like a sizzle in the backyard barbecue. And that's all right, because you can't live all your life with fireworks, but you can live with the sizzle in the backyard barbecue. And that's what it is. As you get into one man, one woman marriage, you develop that other focused actions of loving. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's about other for it's about the sacrifice. It's about the compromise of living with someone. Now that's not what the culture says. Our culture says if you fall in love, that really means you want to have sex. Because sex is important for satisfaction. How can you live without having sex? Very well, thank you. There are a lot of really good, single, wonderful men and women. Do you know what? Satan says, the world says, you need to have sex for satisfaction. If we believe that lie, what does it say about the Lord Jesus Christ? who died a celibate saviour. Are we saying that then Jesus is seated at the right hand of God going, oh poor me, you know, I haven't never had sex. He's the most content, full human being for, who was fully man and fully God and died for us on the cross, a celibate saviour. The Apostle Paul, who wrote so much about marriage, was actually single. What are we saying when we buy that lie? What does it say about charming single and older single men and women? You know, I have been a doctor for 50 years and a sexologist for about over 40. I've seen people die of lack of water and healthcare and medicine. Not one reported case of death by lack of sex. <laughs> Not one. You die by having sex and catching something, but no one dies of not having sex. So don't believe 
Satan's lie that it is your identity by having sex or that you must gratify those feelings of emotion. I love you means I want your body. Lies, lies, lies. Talk to your children about that. It's so important. And porn has now made us objectify the body and the sexual encounter. Sexual encounter has become just a casual thing. Let me quickly go through then God's plan for good sex. Desire is from God. That's the amazing thing. Our desires may be not in keeping with God's best plans, but it's his idea. Garden of Eden before the fall. Adam, ladies, think of the man with the best six-pack you can imagine. Hopefully for you married ones, it's your husband. And think, you know, Adam was like that. And then God has puts Adam to sleep. And then he does a bit of minor surgery. And he brings Eve. Perfect. No boob job, no Botox, no Brazilian, nothing. Perfect. Adam opens his eyes. Oh, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. The most beautiful girl I've seen. It helped. He'd never seen another one. But anyway, <laughs> that was love. Love at first sight. The first ever blind date. And then... God says they were, that was a marriage. The Bible is book ended by marriage. Genesis, read Revelation 20, 21. Jesus comes back for his bride. That is marriage. You know, and in, in Genesis back again, it says they were naked and felt no shame. Isn't that a beautiful, beautiful image? You know, nakedness is total vulnerability because naked means you don't have clothes on, but you're also naked at a brain level. And when you say no shame, that means you are trusting the person totally. When I speak to young people, I say there's only one place that you can be totally naked and totally trusting. And that is when somebody has made promises to love you till death part you and that's called marriage. You know, you are all nice and young and tight and taut. You just wait till you're 72 like me. And things have been <laughs> tested by gravity. <laughs> and things have moved to, I don't know where they move, Margaret River or Albany or wherever they move from Perth. But the point is, then, like me, 45 years married, you can stand in front of your husband and go, oh, look, you know, I remember that wrinkle when it was there. But the point is, you still know that you can love and be loved and make love because you are in that God-given covenant promise-keeping relationship. That is what we have been promised. Next slide. For love, it tells us in the Song of Songs, which I call the sealed section of the Bible. And if you married once, that's a great reading for Mother's Day evening. Song of Songs. You'll definitely jump into bed after that. Very erotic. For love, it says, is as strong as death. It's jealousy unyielding as a grave. It burns like a blazing fire. Fire is good. Fire is powerful. Fire in the hearth, in the heater, is good. Fire out in the tinder dry bush is a bushfire, which will burn the bush and burn your house. So, protect the fire emotion of love and desire. 
God gives us the place and the pattern which is called one man, one woman marriage. You light a, even a little matchstick on the tinder dry bush, tiny spark of an affair, of extramarital affection, of um, pornography, it burns like a blazing fire and will consume you and your home. Don't risk it. Three times in Song of Songs it will say, be careful. Don't arouse it. Next slide. And it says, in marriage, have fun. So this is for all you couples now. Mother's Day. It that, now you single ones can go la 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 for a moment. <laughs> you know. It's amazing. It says, husband, your body belongs to the wife. Wife, your body belongs to the husband. Don't deprive yourself. Except maybe to say prayers and read the Bible. Then jump back into bed so that Satan doesn't tempt you. Which means tonight... Bible study and uh, prayers and jump into bed. <laughs> Mother's Day gift. <laughs> right. Okay. So it show, the Bible tells us it is meant for man and woman in marriage to enjoy, and I'll just give this to you in passing, the whole body experience. You yield your body to your husband or your wife. What a beautiful imagery. Not just your genitals, but your whole body and brain can be yielded as a gift to the other. And finally, a Christian marriage that one man, one woman is modeling to the world what Christ and the church is. Ephesians 5 and Revelation. Beautiful imagery. Next slide. Is it any wonder that it tells us, be careful, treat this sex which I have given you as a gift. Look after it. Three times Song of Songs says, handle with care. Don't arouse it in the bush. Keep it in the heart, in your family, in the marriage. Develop self-control. You know, this I picked that from Titus 2. Say no and say yes to salvation and righteousness. It's a fruit of the spirit, salvation. Develop it. Proverbs 25 says, like a city whose walls are broken is a person who lacks self-control. Things get in if you don't have self-control. Protect yourself. Next slide. Because sexual intimacy is a binding act. It binds at brain level, oxytocin, vasopressin. They're the same thing that bind a baby and a mother, Mother's Day. When you held your baby at the breast, you had that feeling of being bonded to the baby. You have sexual intimacy, you bond to the person you're having intimacy with. You have an orgasm, it goes sky high. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, in a world that says just have fun when you want, have sex wherever you want, we know even at brain level that sex is never casual. There is nothing called casual sex. You bind like a superglue bond to anyone you have sexual intimacy with. You see, we are not created for a casual sexual encounters. We are created for one man, one woman, lifetime bonding. This is what you're created for. 
premarital sex and the kind of live uh, try before you buy doesn't work all the research says that cohabitation living together and then getting married there's a higher chance of those marriages actually breaking down it's called sliding into marriage you tend to slide out the word even when young people have premarital sex if you talk to them girls especially will say we really were looking for intimacy and love not just for an orgasm this is what we are hearing even porn leads to bonding my dear brothers and sisters in christ beware of satan's temptations because that is not what we are created for let's pull this together we pull this together what then is our implication for living you know my dear brothers and sisters in christ the lord jesus christ in luke chapter 9 said whoever is ashamed of me and my words the son of man will be ashamed of them when he comes in glory with the glory of the father and the holy angels another another gospel it says whoever is ashamed of me in this adulterous generation see you're ashamed of god's words i mean there may be some of you who know what the kind of thing is happening with the rugby star i know you guys are afl supporters but you know that israel fellow what did he do he quoted the bible if you say god's words today it can be hate speech the word of god has become hate speech but god says if you are ashamed and israel fellow said i am not ashamed i'm willing to give up my career and uh, uh, Australian Christian lobby put out a letter and in one day they had 20,000 signatures of Christians saying we will stand up for the word of God. Are you willing to stand up even when you are persecuted? Because are you more interested in the adulterous generation of this world saying yes, yes, wonderful, or do you want the accolades of God, the Lord Jesus Christ when he comes with the angels and says come inherit the kingdom with me? You see we are foreigners in this world. So we need to live in a way that even when people laugh at us and say we are doing wrong, we can portray the glory of God to them. You know whether you're married today or whether you're single. And I'm very conscious that on a day like Mother's Day, single especially women can really feel sad in a way. it's okay it's okay to feel that longing for a good thing because sex and marriage is a good thing but no my dear sisters and brothers single especially sisters single young women or older women who are singles remember ask your true satisfaction is in the lord jesus christ your satisfaction is in jesus yes you may mourn the loss of a good thing like sex and marriage but keep your eyes on the thing that matters and so that is my message for you keep your eye on the lord jesus christ that is your goal the world will tempt you but only one thing can satisfy you that identity in the lord jesus christ god bless you thank you for tuning in today If you would like to find out more about Lift, check out our website at theliftchurch.com.au.